a word or an item of jargon that is fashionable at a particular time or in a particular context. That's how the Oxford Languages Dictionary defines buzzwords. And these buzzwords are all around us. If you've ever been employed anywhere, you've probably heard the word synergy. If you've lived at all in the last 14 months, you've probably heard the phrase new normal. Buzzwords are those single words or those short little phrases that are intended to fill in or, or take the place of thoughts and ideas that are a bit more complex. And like I had said, they're everywhere. We find them in movies, books, TV, on the radio, advertisements, news, and even here in the Bible. Now in our text from Ezekiel 37, we're going to see a few of those buzzwords. And as we look at this text, as we look at the prophet's words here on this Pentecost day, we're going to see what and how the Holy Spirit works in these buzzwords for bones. Now the people of Israel, they felt like they were a bunch of dead, dried up bones. They had been carried away from their Jewish homeland, exiled 600 miles away in Babylon, right in the heart of, of pagan territory. And then Ezekiel came and broke some pretty difficult news. He says, the temple's gone and the city of Jerusalem has been destroyed. And the Israelite people knew why that was. For hundreds of years, God had sent his prophets to these people warning them. He said, you guys really need to knock it off with uh, the worship of the Baals and the Asherahs and the starry hosts. That garbage, that stuff, it's got no place here in Israel. But the people didn't listen. And God had set a limit on his patience and that limit had been reached and they were carried off and now Jerusalem lay 600 miles away, just a pile of burning rubble. But even though Israel had such a disgusting history like that, there was still hope. Hope that we see here in Ezekiel 37. Now our Hebrew text of these 14 verses, it's 198 words, 33 of which are the same four Hebrew words repeated several times. For all of you math people out there, that's about one-fifth. One-fifth of our words in this text that we might call buzzwords. Our first buzzword, it actually is bones. The hand of the Lord comes upon Ezekiel. He picks him up and he sets him down right in the middle of this valley. And as Ezekiel is surveying his surroundings, he can't help but notice there's something a little bit different about this valley. It is packed full of bones. A bunch of disconnected, disjointed, scattered bones all piled one on top of the other. And it was pretty clear to Ezekiel that there had been no life in these bones in a very long time. There were no remnants of flesh there, no tendons. These things were dried out to the core. Life hadn't been there in a while. And as far as Ezekiel was concerned, no life ever would come back to these bones. Now as Ezekiel and God are pacing through this valley, God asks a question. And I'll say it's kind of a strange question. It's the kind of question that you'd probably just laugh off if anybody other than God asked it. God says, Son of man, can these bones live? Now that brings us to our second buzzword, which is live or life. 
God asks this question, and I really love the way that Ezekiel responds here. You alone know. I mean, basically, Ezekiel is saying, God, why are you even asking me this? You're in charge. You know what's up. You can do whatever you want, so just do whatever you want. Well, that God did. Those disconnected, scattered bones become skeletons. Those skeletons are covered with tendons and flesh and skin. There's only one thing that these corpses need now. It's breath, which is our third buzzword. Ezekiel calls forth the winds from the four corners of the earth. And with a big rush, a powerful, strong wind comes in. And it fills up those corpses. It stands them up to their feet. This this army of corpses is just that. They're living people just waiting for the, the call to go out into battle. Now this buzzword here, breath, it really is a pretty interesting one. You wouldn't be able to tell it by reading an English translation, but, but if you look at the NIV there, the words that we've got translated breath, wind, and spirit, those are actually all the same Hebrew word. Now I think there's a connection here that we can make. Breath, spirit, life. See, the spirit, he's the one that's responsible for giving that life. He's the one that's responsible for putting that breath, for creating life where previously there had been none. This is truly a miracle indeed, what Ezekiel sees here. And I think this miracle, it's right up there with the flood and creation and the parting of the Red Sea, at least in terms of its magnitude and the amount of people affected here. I mean, this was a valley that was full of death, full of dried up bones. And in no time, it was a valley that was full of an army that was waiting for battle. And I think this miracle, and especially the buzzwords that we see here, I think they help us understand what the Spirit does, how he works, and I think they give us a greater appreciation of just how big of a task that is. Just consider what the Spirit has to work with. Exceedingly dry, lifeless bones. The objects of the Spirit's working are really, really, really dead. And the Apostle Paul says just as much. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. When it comes to faith or believing in God, or really doing anything that pleases God, sinful, unconverted, unregenerate man can't do it. Dead is dead. And before any of us thinks, well, I'm a believer now. This isn't for me. Before any of us thinks this is the time to tune out, I just want to emphasize how Paul opened up that verse there. He says, as for you. He's talking to those Ephesians, those people who are believers. And he says, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. And he says the same thing to us. You were dead. Now, We have been converted. We have been changed. We have been given life. But I think that's still an important point that we need to remember. 
we were dead. We couldn't affect ourselves. We couldn't help ourselves. And even though we've been changed, there's still some remnants of that death. There's a little bit of dryness in these bones. Sin remains. Sin creeps. Sometimes that sin wins. It it gets the best of us. Just ask the people of Israel. They'll tell you. They had all those special promises. God went and talked to that ordinary, average, everyday guy, Abraham, and said, you are going to be a great nation. The Savior is going to come from you. God picked up these people by the hand and led them out of the land of slavery. He led them out of Egypt. And as they were wandering in the wilderness, grumbling and complaining, God still gave them water from the rock. He still gave them manna and quail. He showed these people his glory. He dwelt among them in the Jerusalem temple. And yet, they still stumbled and fell. There was dryness there. There was sin. And you heard what Israel said. Our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone. We're cut off. You see, God, eventually he called these people back to their senses. And they realized it. They they realized that they were dead. They realized that it was their sin that killed them. They understood that that those sins and all that idolatry that that had them entrapped and entangled, it was just a, a reeking, foul stench in God's nostrils. And it was that stench of their sin that led to their destruction, that led to their downfall. If there was any possibility, any chance at all, that those dry bones would come to life, God was going to have to intervene. And he did. You saw what happened there, right? Bones become skeletons. Skeletons become an army. God brought them to life and he continued to work at that. He said, I'm going to put my spirit in them. He calls them my people. Now when I read that, it reminded me of something else the Apostle Paul had said to these Ephesians. The people that he had just said, you guys were dead in your transgressions and sins. He goes on to say this, At that time you were excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants and promise. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near. The Spirit works life in Christ. The Spirit brings us to God in Christ. In Christ, because of him, because of what he does, the Spirit gives life to dried up dead bones. Now there's no denying it. The Spirit, he does some amazing things with these dead bones. And I think you saw it there. There was power there behind what the Spirit was doing. That was an intense, terrific miracle. But I think you probably also noticed that God didn't really put on this big, magnificent display behind it. And that's not intended to take away from the miracle at all, but it's not like God sent down his lightning bolts to zap these bones. It's not like he sends some big earthquake to, to rattle things up and create these bodies. Now the same end, life for bones, it certainly would have happened if God had decided to work in that way but that's not how he decided to work. 
He didn't snap his fingers. He didn't zap them. Instead, he chose to give life through the words that Ezekiel said. I mean, what did God say to Ezekiel? He said, son of man, prophesy to the bones. Son of man, prophesy to the breath. Son of man, prophesy to them. Well, here we have our fourth buzzword. Prophecy. As we had said, God could snap fingers, God could zap hearts, but that's just not what he does. And he hasn't directed us to those things either. Nowhere does God say, well, all right, you you guys need to be on the lookout for signs and wonders because you never know when I might be trying to call you into me. God just doesn't talk to us like that. He does, however, say, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. He also says, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish the purposes for which I sent it. When God's word is being read, when God's word is being spoken, he's there. His spirit is there working to create life. He's there working to sustain that life. See, the tool that the spirit uses, it's this prophetic word. It's his word that that he uses to turn bones into corpses, to turn corpses into armies, to give life where there otherwise was no life. This prophetic and apostolic word, it's power. And I know you'd all agree with me. But sometimes I think what we think and what we do and our overall attitude towards this powerful world it might say otherwise. You know, of course, we all had the opportunity to come to church here today. We're we're here in person or online. But earlier this morning, that alarm did go off. And what were you thinking? Well, do I need to get up? This bed is cozy, it's comfy, it's warm. And there's always YouTube. I can go back and watch the service later. How about your own private devotions? I know I've I've been taught from a young age by parents and teachers and pastors that that I need to be in the Word. But sometimes that just doesn't happen. All of those encouragements, all of those wise words are right there. And why is that? Well, I think ultimately it's because we sometimes try to find God in places that aren't the Bible. You see, there's a little shrine right here right in my heart. And on that shrine sits an idol that is called me. And that shrine, it it tricks us, it it even sometimes convinces us that me is more important than God. We let that little idol right here become bigger than the God of the Bible and he gets us and we fall. he, He says to us, well, Your identity as a person, your your value, and your life's worth it, it comes in being a neighbor, or a parent, or a co-worker, or a friend, or whatever it might be. So God's word, it's got to take a back seat to that. Forgiveness, you can hear about that any other time. But you need to work on that identity right now uh, outside of that word. That's a pretty wild and crazy mistake for us to make here. 
like we've seen, this word is power. And if we cut ourselves off from it, we're going to be just like Israel. Our bones are dried up, our hope is gone, we are cut off. And we do it to ourselves. If we take ourselves away from that power source, we're just going to keep on getting dried up. The life, the moisture, it's going to get sucked right out of us. And yeah, at that point, there won't be any hope. Now, ironically enough, there's only one cure for attitudes and thoughts and actions like those ones. And that cure is the Word of God. You see, there's a reason why God had men like Moses and David and Daniel and Ezekiel and Amos write down his words. There's a reason why God gave his, his spirit, to, he gave inspiration to those men, just like he gave it to the apostles there on that Pentecost day. And that reason is because God has chosen his word to be the way that he was going to bring Jesus to sinful people. God has chosen that word to be the way that his spirit would work to create faith and life where there was no faith and life. God had that message about Jesus recorded. God had that message about Jesus brought to you. He had his spirit work his power through that message to give you life. This word is power. This word is a big deal. And that's why I'm not ashamed of it. That's why none of you are ashamed of it. Because this word, this gospel, it is God's power for the salvation of everyone who believes. That gospel is God's power to give you life. That gospel, just like the one we find in the words of the evangelists and the prophets and the apostles, it's power. So love this word. Let God, let the Spirit work his power in you through this word. Now the longest chapter in the Bible, it's 176 verses long. It's Psalm 119. And Psalm 119 is so great because it's all about loving God's word. And the author there, he spares no details. 176 verses, he lays out, here is why God's word is so great. It's so great because it guides us. It's so great because it gives us wisdom. It's so great because it gives us life. So let the attitude of Psalm 119, let that be your attitude towards God's word. Love it, be in it, and you're going to find that God is going to bless you in all those ways just like he blessed the author of Psalm 119. Now I really love this vision that Ezekiel saw here. It's a terrific story, and I really appreciate how Ezekiel hammers home his point with the use of those buzzwords. Bones, spirit, life, live, breath, wind, prophecy. Those words aren't too eloquent. There's nothing really fancy there. But those words teach us a lot. They tell us about who we were. They tell us what God has done for us. There's life in these bones because of what God the Spirit does through this word. There's spirit in this body because of what God does through that word. So rejoice. Rejoice. 
Rejoice that the power rests in the Bible. Rejoice that God brought that power to you and worked life into you through it. Rejoice that in these buzzwords spoken to a bunch of bones, God gives life and breath through his powerful prophetic word. Amen. Please stand. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's confess our faith at this time with the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit 